My name's Johnny Summers, and I like the finer things in life. I'm talking delicious ice-cold beer. I'm talking nice wine, appetizers, friends, patio, dogs even sometimes. Yeah, I'm talking about the Handlebar. 2070 East 20th Street. They've got delicious food, an amazing happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. We're going to get money off of any one of their draft beers, which there are a ton of. You're also going to get half off bottles of wine. There is no reason to not get down there. Again, that's the Handlebar at 2070 East 20th Street, right here in Chico. Go check them out. Tell them Fresh Ops hit them a second. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California, most of the time. I'm Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. Hi, everybody. Hey, Merry Christmas, just about everybody. This week on the show, our review of Avatar, The Way of Water, the sequel to the 2009 film from director James Cameron, set more than a decade after the events of the first film. We travel back to the planet of Pandora to catch up with Jake Sully and his family as a new menace threatens to destroy everything that they've built. But before we get to our discussion of that three-hour sci-fi epic, Johnny, what are you drinking this week? So I will be drinking an IPA called Apotheosis from Ghost Town Brewing out of Oakland, California. But we'll get that later in the show. The first beer today is the one that you, young Maxwell, found at Craft Wine and Beer in Reno. What exactly is that? Yeah, I grabbed a beer called Wandering Into the Snow. It's a double IPA from Abomination Brewing, which is a brewery that we've covered in the past. And I'll talk about that in just a little bit here. But if you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a fantastic Thursday evening. As a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing the first 30 minutes of our show today, which include our first beer review, like I said, and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of Avatar. That said, if you are so inclined to listen to the show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for Avatar, a second beer review from Johnny, and the always tantalizing segment, Hot and Bothered, Johnny will tell you what to do. Yeah, go search for the Fresh Hop Cinema Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m., and we've been doing that since 2016. If you like the show, go leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and be sure and let us know you did. Brag uh, brag about the cool thing you just did to us. Come on. Uh, To hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or Twitter sometimes, I guess. Yeah. When's the last time you logged in the Twitter? It's, well, I sometimes I cross post stuff. Well, oh, you no. Don't. Yeah, no, I don't. I guess I, I used to do that when I had access to the Instagram, but it's, it's been a while, man. Yeah. We got to, we got to unplug from Big Daddy Elon. Yeah. Uh, anyways, or just go to our website, freshhopcinema.com. All right. It's the time of year, like we do every year, Johnny. It's time for our holiday giveaway box contest raffle uh, thing to help uh, help supply the people with things that they need. Can you give me some more information about what we're doing? That was a terrible introduction. It's not a great name. I'm still workshopping it. <laughs> uh, we are doing a holiday slash New Year's giveaway box. Perfect. Uh, by the time you're hearing this on, let's say, the Friday after it airs on KZFR, yep. you're going to go check out the giveaway post on our Instagram, and you're going to like that. You're going to share it to your story, and you're going to tag a friend on that story, or on the uh, on the post, I should say. Sure. And you do all that. That qualifies you to win. Uh, a winner will be picked at random on uh, New Year's Day 2023. You're going to be getting 
uh, $25 Cinemark gift card, Boom. a surprise Christmas beverage from our podcast seller, Boom. A, a fresh hop cinema t-shirt, size of your choosing, mm-hmm. two koozies, and two stickers. Booms it's all a around. What I mean, hell it's, a, of a deal. it's a hell of a deal. Uh, so yeah, like Johnny said, you can uh, you can get into that by going to our Instagram, liking that post, sharing that post on your story. Of course, tag a friend that you want to go watch movies or drink alcohol with, beer in particular. Uh, and you can be eligible for that. You got to be 21 uh, or older to make it happen and make sure to do that before the new year. And here's the cool thing is that a while back, our original Instagram got hacked and deleted. Um, and this one is considerably smaller. So we're doing this to kind of build it up again, but you've got a pretty good chance. We're going to draw names out of a hat. So uh, there's also more than one of these to give away. So, so please don't be deterred by the idea of like, there's not a chance because there is a chance. Seem fair enough, yeah. Johnny? And all you have to do to enter this is those things I said and be following our Instagram account. And if that person that you tag follows us and then shares it, Mm -hmm. we get a follower and you get another chance in the drawing. So it's a a win-win. Okay. Speaking of win-wins, let's talk Patreon. It's a way to support our show. And I feel like I've talked about it uh, more in the past couple of weeks. So Johnny, why don't you tell people what Patreon is? Well, yeah, it's a really simple, easy way to support your favorite content creators while getting some pretty rad rewards back in return. Uh, We do semi-regular content, like bonus episodes. We try and put out at least two a month. Sometimes there's four, sometimes there's one. But when we don't record a bunch, we always try and get out and have some beers with you guys. And we do bar hangs, movie nights, virtual movie nights, backyard barbecues, bottle shares, you name it. We've probably done it at least twice. They're a lot of fun. We've got a pretty cool community of people that we've all become friends with that hang out and enjoy the show. And we all dig each other's company. So it's it's really more of a community than a crowdfunding, I'd say. So if you want to get in on the community and keep supporting us because you love us, and quite frankly, why wouldn't you? Just go to freshhopcinema.com slash Patreon dot com slash www.patreon.com slash freshhopcinema.org. That's it, man. Just uh, Google Patreon and us. Uh, you're good at computers. Sure. I know you are a person listening. Just do it. Great. Uh, yeah, it really is a super easy thing to sign up for. Um, I've signed up to a lot of uh, guitar players' Patreons recently, and it takes literally two minutes. So please don't be deterred by that either. I think that's all we have on Patreon. Um, no events coming up until next month into the new year. So I think we have our bases covered. Am I missing anything? I think we're there, man. Did we miss any birthdays? We got anybody? Any new? We shouted out Trevor last week. Yep. He's our newest patron. No, we're covered, I think. Uh, Awesome. Right on. Well, then let's get to the fun part, man. Let's drink some beer. Okay. Um, I, that's not even going to be a fun part for you because you don't get to drink this beer, which is uh, the one that I said earlier. It's called Wandering Into the Snow from Abomination Brewing out of New Haven, Connecticut. And when I found this today, Abomination Brewing sounded very familiar to me. So I looked back in our catalog and we haven't done their beers since November of 2019 on episode 145. And we covered a pale ale called Ura Yuli. And Don't it, remember that at see, all. See, I remembered it when I when I heard that name that because I think we talked about what that word was. And if I'm not mistaken, it was like this creature, like a snow creature of some kind. And it was on the can, a uh, big scary yep, monster. That rings a bell. Um, anyways, that is not this. This is a double IPA. At least that's what um, that's what the can says to some extent. It's 9.1%. This is classified on untapped as a milkshake IPA. Um, but like I said, the can has it listed as something a little more complex. Are you ready? This yes. is a double dry hopped, double IPA brewed with lactose and marshmallows. I figured if, if I don't have to share a beer with you this week, I might as well do a beer that you couldn't drink anyways. Totally. So uh, it's a black 16-ounce can with a sort of a two-tone gradient of a light blanket of snow cascading down over the name of the beer, which itself is underlined by a row of red, green, and white Christmas lights. Um, on the side of the can, it says fog 
which from my very limited understanding slash research makes me think it's part of a series of beers from Abomination that also includes Fognog and Gingerbread Fog. Um, I, you know, there's not a lot on the internet about this. Their website just has a, a splayed out version of the can art and there's nothing there. So I reached out like two hours ago via their Instagram. Um, but I didn't hear back cause I didn't give them very much time. So all we know is everything I have just told you. All right. Sweet. I like it, man. Uh, first question about this beer. Uh, are you going to be able to taste it? Yes. I'm so last week I was, um, in the throes of having a cold and I, I, my, my taste was pretty skewed. We also had some beers last week that we, um, you know, maybe I was kind of grateful that I wasn't on full sensory <laughs> mode, you know, shout out to Templar, man, you're going to call him out like that. Um, so no, but this week, yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Taste is on point. Um, and I can confirm that unless this beer is just overwhelmingly strong tasting, I can, I can taste everything that uh, I expected to taste on my first sip. Good, 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 good. Excellent. Well, I'm intrigued. I've had a few milkshake IPAs in mm-hmm. my life. Some of them have been great. Some of them have been really wonky. You know, you said that the vanilla, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, lactose yeah. and marshmallows, which I'm assuming is just vanilla. Uh, usually when people say marshmallows in a beer, that's just vanilla extract or vanilla beans that they've added. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what you think of this one. Have you tried it? I have, yeah. So really quickly, I don't... I didn't have that presupposition. I, I could have sworn that when people say marshmallow, it's usually brewed with marshmallow, but I, maybe mm. that's not the case. Uh, usually it's just vanilla, honestly. Like it's not hard to make a marshmallow flavor because sure. all that marshmallows is is like fluffed sugar and vanilla. I guess that's true, huh? Yeah, um, there's like nothing else in them. Well, so so on the first drink, yeah, or actually I've had two drinks now, but um, – Milkshake IPA is for sure what this is. But the thing that's weird about it is that it's not a fruited one. And I think most of my experience with milkshake IPAs are ones that are like like strawberry milkshake or or raspberry or like smoothie milkshakes. Um, and this one is very much like like a, a, a hazy, milky kind of hop bomb. It's really strange. Hmm. It, so it ha- what's like this on the scale of hoppiness? Does it have IBUs not listed, I see? Correct. Are you getting a ton of bitterness? And then how is that, like, is it overly sweet? Yeah, I wouldn't say bitterness, but there's a ton of hop flavor there. Um, and I wish I knew what hops were in this because they're very, very pronounced. Um, but I think they had to go the extra mile to with this double dry hopping to really make sure it didn't get bitter. Because uh, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it could very easily have gone that way. But it's it's this strange combination of, of, of yeah, like vanilla hoppiness, which I, I don't think I've experienced before. Yeah, that sounds pretty unique. I'm picturing, uh, since I can't see it, I'm picturing mm. a beer that is like frothy and like the head kind of leaves like a film and like schmutz everywhere. Is it like super thick and like almost chunky and gnarly looking? It's not quite that extreme, but it's definitely got some viscosity to it that's kind of leaving it, um, I wouldn't say like clumpy or or goopy or anything, but it's definitely syrupy looking. Hmm. Is it taste syrupy? Like, is it it's coating thick. the mouth? Yeah, it's for yeah. sure. Like, 9.1 is no surprise. Uh, it's a very strong beer, and it shows it on the mouthfeel and the, and the flavor. And th- th- there's some heat from from the booze there, too. It's also, mm. as, as as colors go, like a really musty orange um, or, or almost like a dirty yellow kind of thing going. It doesn't, it doesn't look like the most um, radiant, delicious beer ever. No, it looks like it's... It sounds like it looks gross. Yeah, I mean, if you lined it up with... Yeah, like 10 other IPAs, I this probably wouldn't be near the top of ones that you kind of think of as being the most gorgeous <laughs> beers, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, so on paper right now, this beer doesn't have a lot going for me as far as like it looking good or sounding good at all. Like on paper, yeah. this sounds kind of gross. But uh, I love that. Like, I wish this is now. Now I wish that you could try this. Maybe I'll try to go back and find one more can. They were running sort of low at craft on this one. I think this is the only one I saw, but I can double back tomorrow because it is so sort of out of the box when it comes to milkshake IPAs that I just want to get your take on it just from the the hoppiness fighting the not even fighting, but um, being paired with that lactose and marshmallow flavor. It's it's definitely a trip. Is it super sweet? Like it's I, I'm sweet. Yeah. But it's not, yeah. yeah, it's, but it's vanilla sweet. So it, it kind of mask, it kind of gets away with being a little bit sweeter than something as overt as like a fruit sweetness. That that's sense. pretty ambitious to do like a sweet, hoppy beer. Like that, that's wild. I don't know if I would love it, but I'm down to try yeah, it. Yeah. Like it, it was pretty affordable too. Like it, we could, we could grab an extra can and maybe we, I mean, I, all that it says on the bottom of the can, by the way, is happy holidays, 2022. So, I'm positing the guess that it was put out specifically for this time of year. I can't imagine it's very old, um, which means if we got another can and we held on to it for like three weeks, say for a podcast event in the future, I think it would be fun to share this with some people and get some some varied opinions. Yeah, totally. That'd be a good one to like snag and maybe take to the handlebar or something. Totally. Um, I, I do think you would get a kick just from the experience of trying it. I, I'm not convinced you'd like it. I'm not even convinced that I like it, to be honest. But um, <laughs> Well, it, you, you know, better get convinced of something pretty I quick because I'm going to ask you to rate it. I'm a big fan of, of unique approaches to stuff, so this is going to earn some points just for trying for me. But let me take another drink and kind of get more of just a personal opinion on this thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I need I need strong opinions from you today, sir. Uh, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever had a milkshake IPA that wasn't fruited. I, I don't think I have. No, uh, no, no, I haven't either. Cause, cause it makes so much sense to do like a lactose, like a milkshake, like a fruity milkshake makes so much sense to me and to most people's palates, I think. But also like the two most popular milkshakes in my opinion are, I mean, it's vanilla, strawberry and chocolate. So like, yes. Wow. Can you imagine a, a chocolate smoothie or like a chocolate milkshake ipa we're just talking pastry stouts at that point no we're talking an ipa so it'd be a, a paste pastry IPA? what would you do to that what would like what would be your approach and you don't have to get as specific as like telling me specific malts and hops but i mean what would your adjuncts be if that's what you were doing well i mean vanilla and like baking chocolate because those two combined give you kind of a milk chocolate no man i think i think your vibe it's gonna be too bitter because you got the hops going i think you need to go a sweeter chocolate of some kind I mean, yeah, if you're already doing lactose, you might as well just go... Go for it. Go turn it up to 11 and just do, like, milk chocolate and vanilla and, like, maybe some cacao Yeah, nibs. I'd be curious to know if a brewery's ever done, like, Hershey's syrup in the fermentation just to see how much of that sugar got eaten up and turned I into you, booze. I'm sure you can. Yeah, I know Yingling did a Hershey lager. Oh, they also did a Hershey's... Um, What's their, their... Is that just their standard, the Yingling lager? Mm-hmm. Okay, then, yeah, that's what I was thinking of as well. We had one of those at yeah. one point. Shout out to John Holland for giving that yeah. to, to me, at least. Yeah, we shared one. It was okay, wild. Yeah. Yes. there's Yeah, there's there's some room for that kind of stuff. But I think far and away the most common, quote-unquote, milkshake flavors to add to a beer are, are fruity flavors. Yeah, I'm calling breweries out if you're listening to this. I want a I want a chocolate milkshake IPA. Yeah, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of so dumb. No, it's great. I'm gonna wind towards my my final thoughts here. Um, I think it's ambitious to go for this style of beer without adding the fruit. I think the only way this could possibly work is by incorporating a double dry hopping to avoid some of that really astringent bitterness. Hmm. That said, after tasting it a couple times, I don't know that I like it. And I I, I think even in in the best case scenario, which is what I'm giving this credit for being. 
it's not great. Uh, more, more a novelty and a fun thing to have tried. 16 ounces is a lot of it. Um, maybe, maybe splitting it. I've, I've had about two and a half ounces and I'm like, that's almost enough for me. Yeah. So that's starting to sound currently. So if you're walking Phoenix and gladiator, your thumb is wavering, it's, it's hovering, it's wavering yeah. and it's, it's, it's headed South. Yeah. I mean, that's not a full kill him situation, but like it's again, like I, I give a lot of points for trying this cool thing and I think that's fun. But so I'm, I guess I'm coming at it for two, from two angles. One is, is the novelty of it and the, the fun experience. And then two is just the enjoyment of it. And those things are conflicting for me. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. out of 10. Yep. I'm taking my final drink and then I will give you a hard number. Here we go. Yeah. I don't know. Like a four. I'm gonna give it a four. There's right. some really intense, um, unenjoyable hop bitterness on the end, like right at the end of the back of the throat. That is, um, r- really, really harsh that I do not like. Sounds pretty sketchy. I'm glad I didn't have to drink it. If yeah. you bring one back, I will try it for yeah, science, absolutely. but I'm, I'm not going to be Venmoing you to cover that beer anytime <laughs> soon. All right. Well, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. You think we got this beer wrong? Think we got it right? You have a beer or brewery you think we should review? Message us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema or send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. We are always open to suggestions. And if you get a chance to try that abomination wandering into the snow or any other beers from abomination brewing let us know what you think and hey if you like the show go take 30 seconds and leave us a five-star rating on apple Podcasts. yeah it really does it takes a couple seconds and it's one of the most efficient ways to help us get our show in front of new potential listeners besides it's basically christmas honestly you need some good karma coming back at you you've been a terrible person this year go leave us a five star uh what we have next is a trailer for this week's movie avatar the way of water if you haven't seen it yet do not worry there are no spoilers in our next segment so don't go anywhere dad i know you think i'm crazy but i feel her I hear her heartbeat. She's so close. So what does her heartbeat sound like? Mighty. Cannot let you bring your war here. Outcast. That's all they see. I see you. The way of water connects all things. Before your birth and after your death. This is our home. I need you with me, and I need you to be strong. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you are listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, thank you. 
and you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you want to hear the whole thing, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you can't get enough of old Max and Johnny, just go have a listen. Set more than a decade after the events of the first film, uh, learn the story of the Sully family, Jake, Natiri, and their kids, the trouble that follows them, the lengths they go to to keep each other safe, and the battles they fight to stay alive, and the tragedies they endure. This film, Avatar, The Way of Water, sees Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana reprising their roles as parents and a family living basically in bliss when a group of mercenaries led by a reincarnated Quaritch, played by Stephen Lang, come from the sky to finish what he started in the first film. Intent on protecting his family at all costs, Jake Sully leaves the forest and relocates his family in the hopes of leaving all this conflict behind. Wherever Jake goes, though, it seems trouble follows. Johnny, let's talk really quickly. Um, original Avatar, 2009. Uh, how, how old were you? Do you want to print that out for people to know for forever? How old were you when that movie came out? Ballpark. I graduated high school in 05. I was 18. Okay. So, yeah. What, 20, 21? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay, what, what are your thoughts on the original? Kind of briefly, I suppose. It was pretty cool, man. It was very groundbreaking. It pushed forward a lot of like CGI, and I mean, it was a, a really groundbreaking blockbuster film. And I remember yeah. really liking it. That seems to be everybody's kind of takeaway. Like everybody's like, it was awesome to look at. Like that, that yeah. seems to be the main takeaway. This one also was directed by James Cameron, as was the first with the screenplay by Cameron, Rick Jaffa, and Amanda Silver. It was cinematography uh, was Russell Carpenter. And I'm not going to go over the cast now because I think I said most of it, but it came to U.S. theaters for wide release on December 16th. And as of the time of this recording, uh, it's been in wide release for about four days. It's already raked in about $497 million, putting it easily uh, in the top 10 at number nine um, of money-making films of the year. By the way, that's compared to the number one film, uh, which of course is Top Gun Maverick. On its opening weekend, it made about $248 million, uh, just about half of that. Uh, granted, this has like one more day under its belt. But um, if, if this current trajectory is to be any indicator, uh, it's going to just make so much money at the box office because it has this crazy, like this whole reputation, the first movie gave it of like being technologically just, just wiping the floor with every other movie that has ever come out. This one runs three hours, 12 minutes. Um, so let's get into it, Johnny. What did you think of The Way of Water? Yeah, so... I was expecting big, high budget, and that's an understatement. Like, basically limitless yeah. budget. Like, James, Cam James Cameron just can do whatever he wants with money and is doing it. Um, I was pretty on board this whole movie. It kind of started a little bit slow, and uh, I think they could have done a little bit more in guiding us into maybe having some flashbacks of the first movie, because... This came out over a decade ago, <laughs> yeah. and like this movie has eight like these characters, we've aged the same amount of time. It's mm -hmm. been a long time, uh, so that I had to kind of go back after I saw this and do some reading about the way the last one wrapped up and things like that. Uh, but super engaging, wildly entertaining, over the top, high budget blockbuster. I think this is number one or number two in my big like big money blockbuster movies. It's like up there with Top Gun uh, as far as movies of that nature that I've enjoyed that are going to just take over the whole world. Um, there's some gripes I have with some of the plot being a bit predictable yeah. and kind of a lot of this not feeling new. It all felt kind of done. Like we're rehashing plot points from different movies at different points. 
uh, at one point I just was like, are they doing Star Wars right now? Sure. I'm really confused. Um, but there were moments like that, but you're here for the aesthetics. You're here for the innovation in CGI and the progression of just crazy special effects. And I think 90%, maybe 85% of this movie absolutely worked for me. I was on board. It was super entertaining. Um, yeah, some technical gripes. It wasn't a perfectly constructed movie. Uh, I think there's some things they could have done better in the writing and the plot. But overall, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it's fantastic for what it is for and what it's trying to do. Okay, out of 10. Out of 10, oh, it's going to be like a 8. eight. Come on, 8.8, my guy? Okay, yeah. all right. Well, okay, so... I, I guess I didn't like it. So okay. I'll start there. Um, not that that's the most interesting question uh, or, or statement a, a critic can make. Obviously it's so subjective, but um, I didn't. So that's how I want to start. Uh, Good. I'm with you. Like the CGI is awesome. I think I feel everything you were feeling except the negatives affected me way more. Mm. Like I was willing to, and again, so when, when Avatar, the first one came out in 09, I was a, um, must've been a junior or a senior in high school. So, not only had I not seen a ton of movies, we were at a point technologically where where that there was no real water in Avatar. They didn't shoot anything in water. So all of that was like the peak of, of technological advancement at the time. So it was amazing. And, and most of that still holds up today. I think if you go back and watch scenes from Avatar or if you have it in you to watch the whole thing, most of the special effects hold up. So I was under no illusion that the, that the CGI and, and the technical amazingness wouldn't be there in this. Of course, like the way of water is going to look incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, like you said, like, like endless budget, tons of backing from everybody it, there. And he took so long to make it. And basically at one point he was just like to the studios, he was like, the script's not ready or this isn't ready. Like you have to wait and nobody can do that. You can't just tell studios to F off while you finish your ideal version. But that's how much weight this, this franchise, which is what it's becoming. There's two more movies slated is becoming. What I was hoping for, and the reason I'm less lenient on this than the first, is that the technology thing only goes so far when it comes to storytelling. And and mm -hmm. they really did rehash. I mean, the first movie wasn't wasn't an original story. It's a movie about about colonization and the subjugation of a, of a native people. And it's all a really good analog for for tell, telling. Like I think kids that saw that got the message. It's awesome. That's a mm -hmm. great. But they also got the message in Pocahontas and and thousands probably of other movies. And I just don't know that that surface level of a of an idea should definitely even be stretched to a second movie, much less four of them coming out. Like, there's no performances here that really stand out. I think some of the most interesting characters don't really get their time on screen. There's there's a character um, named Kiri who is basically Sigourney Weaver's daughter, Sigourney Weaver from the first movie, Dr. Grace Augustine. And she has this whole unique set of skills, basically, that like they sort of start to explore and then that gets just cast to the wayside when we have to have a big bad guy fight. And that stuff happens over and over in this movie. Um, I just, I, I think Sam Worthington's not a particularly good actor in this. Um, Zoe Saldana does a, does a good job, but most of it felt so uninspired. Any Anything besides the actual visuals, I found so al almost like I was between anger and laughter for a lot of this movie. Um, yeah. it just didn't work, man. Uh, and I wanted to like it. Like, I like the magic of Pandora. I want to, I want to go, I want to swim in those waters. They look awesome. 
who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, but I don't know that it's justified for, for a story, um, like this. So, and it was way too long. Well, I agree and disagree. I suppose like it starts off with, there's so much exposition throughout this thing, but there's like a whole new world that needs to be built with, um, Mm -hmm. Basically, when his family leaves, they go um, and and they stay with the, the Metcaina, which are like these water folks. Mm-hmm. And like you have to build that up for that to feel real. And I think they spend, I think that's the best part of the movie when we kind of learn that culture and, and spend some time marinating with those people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where the, the extra time is. So I think it needs it. But I also would have changed a lot of stuff on the, on the, the head and the tail end of that to cut time. But I, I think, you know, three hours and 12 minutes is kind of par for the course as far as expectations go based on the first movie at least yeah that's fair so um all right yeah let me give you let me give you this um i i think man i i think it's i'm toying between a three and a four Damn. it's so cool to look at but i'm mm-hmm. just over it there's it's been a year of so many great movies a lot that i haven't even seen but i want to and it kind of makes me mad. This has taken over so many screens. When, when like a movie like Tar maybe is only going to screen at the pageant and like maybe one screen at major theaters. So I'm I'm kind of also coming at it from a from a cultural uh, angsty perspective. I'm gonna go three. I don't care. It's a three. I talk there myself into it. So good. That's where I'm at, man. I'm giving you strong opinions. You asked for it. I did. Nobody's here for you to be middle of the road. That's I true. Need to know Max's take, man. Right. Uh, in addition to my take and your take, once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Of course, Avatar The Way of Water is definitely in every single theater near you. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, if you agree with me or Johnny, you can reach us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, or you can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. And to our radio listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on KZFR 90.1 FM. And as a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which you, which includes spoilers for Avatar, a review of a second beer by me and Hot and Bothered, head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. The rest of this episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. To those of you already listening on your favorite podcast app, we'll be right back. Danger Welcome to the Danger Zone. It's part of the show where we spoil our movie of the week. Of course, Avatar, The Way of Water, um, a time that Johnny and I are disagreeing on a movie. And I'd like to explore exactly how much we disagree on this and uh, maybe how much you can pull me your way and and vice versa. But before we get into that, this first beer, Wandering Into the Snow, was seven bucks at Craft. We can't say that on the radio waves, so I'm telling you now. Um, I also don't know the distro net of this brewery, so it might be around Chico. Have you seen it anywhere? Um, not that one specifically, but I know Abomination gets distro yeah. in town. All right. Well, uh, like I said, I'll try to grab another can and, and bring it back so we can at least drink it with some of our patrons on Patreon and see, see what everybody else thinks. Um, yeah, yeah. you know, okay, let's get into Avatar. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I don't, I don't necessarily care to spend a ton of time on this. We can, if you have stuff you really feel like you want to talk about. Well, I feel like I agree with you more than my score would dictate. I you have a like high score. 8.8 is a high. Did you say 8.8? Yeah, yeah, I liked this slightly less than Top Gun, and Top Gun was fucking fantastic. Top Gun so much better. I'm glad you brought that up. Do you want to finish your thought? Because I totally just steamrolled you, but it's something that I yes, forgot I, I wanted to talk about. Um, yes, I do. Yeah, I ahead. so I think I I agree with you much more. Like I said, than my score indicates, but I think it's a matter of expectation and kind of um, I don't know if it's it's like big budget movie fatigue or anything like that. I get where you're coming from with having smaller budget films get kind of bumped for this. 
Um, I will say on a side note, The Whale starts in wide release. If you're hearing this on Friday, nice. it is in wide release in Chico now. And yep. that's stoked for that one. But I, there's a lot in this movie that bothered me, but the awesome parts were like so awesome that they elevated it for me. So, you know, in the balance of like, okay, this is a big budget action movie. Am I going to expect compelling acting? Like nobody in a movie like this has ever been nominated for an Academy Award, right? What do you mean by a movie like this? Like a James Cameron Avatar movie or like... I, nobody from Top Gun not got nominated. You know Hang on, because I feel like I'm not sure, but I because James Cameron's done a lot of stuff. If you don't know off the top of your head, like he did no, Terminator, I mean, he's, he did he's Aliens, done other films this. that were serious. Yeah, but like I'm sure there's been like Titanic. I guarantee you, there's Oscar nominations for performances in there. For performances in maybe Titanic, I'm saying movies of this genre, you're not going to get an Academy Award nominee for Best Actor or Best Actress or Supporting Actor. You're going to get special effects noms. You're going to get like maybe some costume design nominations. So like this is a caliber of film that is not, you know, award winning acting. That's why Daniel day Lewis isn't the fucking main character. So it's like my expectations go way down when it comes to, is this going to be like really good acting? You know, I have a different set of what I'm looking for. So I think not having it there is less damaging to my review or like, overall take than it is to yours because like i wasn't expecting it in a movie like this if there was somebody that just acted amazing and did like a great performance it would be pure bonus it wouldn't be like oh yeah that makes sense she's this this movie usually this type of movie has good acting in it uh so that's kind of where i was coming at from it like dude it's i want to sit down i want to eat some popcorn i want to giggle I want to feel a little something of about a character maybe. And that kind of got accomplished with the one kind of outcast son with his cool little whale buddy. I that guess. was dope. Yeah. That's what it did it for me. It checked enough boxes where like I had enough empathy that it, the acting wasn't just completely flat that like I could set that aside. Like it wasn't exemplary, but it wasn't, so damaging to my expectations that it ruined the movie. But if it did yours, I totally understand that. Because this movie was, for a movie about water, it was fucking shallow. All right. How long have you been sitting on that one? <laughs> just now. Just came to me like a lightning bolt. But it really was. I mean, that's when I was saying like it felt a little done. Like it, there was no real depth to it. Like as soon as they bailed on the Navi and went to another like culture, you're like, oh, well, obviously these people are going to get fucked because this dude came and that war is going to follow him. Like, this isn't rocket surgery. I knew the final battle at the beginning of the movie. So it's not about being surprised by the plot. Like, movies like this, or like this movie in particular, I don't want to generalize too much. We're just yeah. pushed. We're pushed by what happened between A and B. It's the journey, not the destination. Okay, wait, I, I, wait, I got to stop you because you, you're talking about two different things now. And I was with you for the first part. Like, uh, to some extent, I'll agree that in in high-budget entertainment kind of summer, in this case, winter blockbusters. You don't need amazing performances. I'm with you. That's okay for the most part. I get, yeah, if you get a great performance, awesome. But then you veered into talking about storytelling. And this is where I'm glad you brought up Top Gun because the emotional stakes created by Top Gun, even though when you see Top Gun, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen. Like, you know, it's going to work out. Tom Cruise mm -hmm. is probably going to be fine. Uh, Miles Tyler is going to be fine. Like it's all going to be probably fine. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be surprised by that. But at the same time, like 
even though I wasn't, the emotional impact that movie had on me was so beyond anything this came close to. I'll give you, there were moments, but yeah. personal moments when they're hunting those, uh, I can't think of the name of the big whales. That's like, that's textbook, like heartstring yanking, like terrible, just terrible. That's going to get everybody. But I don't think mm -hmm. that's a testament to the storytelling. I think, you know, I think that's kind of, kind of a, um, an exception, not the rule in this film. Like it's bad storytelling. It's, 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 it's ripping itself off. And it, the first version wasn't even its own thing either. Hmm. Like it's just, and Top Gun was its own thing. And it was different than the first Top Gun. It, it pulled on different emotional beats. It, it subverted a lot of the expectations that were created by the first movie, the first Top Gun. This one does none of that. And like, like hmm. the predictability here is so lukewarm and just just terrible and boring but the predictability in top gun very exciting and we could probably do a whole podcast on why those differences are the way that they are and why it works because you agree maverick top gun maverick was maybe you don't was it more of an emotional roller coaster than the way of water yeah absolutely like i think that and that comes down to the writing and quite frankly some of the acting like miles teller okay maybe. very good in that movie sure there's there is a degree here of like CGI is amazing. The technology is incredible. There were some scenes like there's, there's the scene where the older brother, the eldest brother of, of our main characters dies. He gets shot and mm -hmm. Zoe Saldana does a good job. The, the face tracking has got to be a tough thing. We haven't gotten it totally right. She, she's overacting most of the time. She, when she's crying in this, she's screaming. There's no way to mm -hmm. misinterpret that as like subtle. And then, mm -hmm. and then on the other hand, Sam Worthington, like li literally in that scene, his face doesn't change. There's no Stoic. like subtle, like I, there's no real human faces. And I don't know if that's a technological problem or a performance problem, but either way, something had to be done different. Yeah. Cause that didn't felt work. Distant. But I'm with you on no. Miles Teller. It's a better, it's a, maybe it's a better performance or a more evocative performance. And maybe that's not here. It's definitely not here, but maybe that is one of the bigger differences. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, and a lot of it was was writing these characters in that a way that like I felt more endeared to them. Like we were introduced to this dude's kids, and then all of a sudden they're young adults. Like there was no, I know, you know what I'm saying. You use things like that in writing to build empathy, and I want to bond with these kids, especially if I can't tell them apart just by looking at them. Man, that was tough. for a long time. I thought the bad guy was Jake Sully. Also, man, like if we're talking sci-fi, I'm so much more interested in the conceptual execution of some of this stuff, like they glaze over how the main bad guy is reincarnated in a Navi body. Like spend some time on that. They introduce this idea of his like, like fatherly guilt for this human kid. There's, yeah. there's Kiri Sigourney Weaver's daughter who like has a stroke or a seizure underwater. And then that like nothing ever comes of that. She is by well, far and they, like, I want to explore that character and we don't. Yeah. And they, they don't, I mean, that could be world building for the next episode. If you have the patience or for the next episode, yeah, for I the next you. movie, uh, next installment. I mean, that felt like total world building because she's obviously going to like rule the waterland. Oh yeah, or like the entire thing. Yeah, like she's totally going to take. But they also glazed over the whole, fa glossed over the whole fact that she was like miraculously conceived. Like nobody knows who her father is. Right. I get like yeah. Like dude. Sigourney Weaver's avatar was in a tank 
and then somebody had sex with it and made a bit tank baby. Right. Very, like, I'm sure that's going to come up. Like, we'll figure it out. But I, like, but they took so much time with everything. You're, I know. You're telling me. And, and you're, you're saying that you're giving them an olive branch. Like, hopefully they'll close that loop. But they didn't. And it's going to be another who knows how long until the third movie. I don't know. Yeah. But I like long format storytelling. That's why I like miniseries. So, like, I'm kind of more on board for, like, us getting rab- Easter eggs. I almost said rabbit eggs. Sure. <laughs> and then having that character come to fruition more. But... I will say that they, that for as much time as this movie took yeah. to progress, they glazed over too much. That's why, like, my favorite act was the second act because it was the one that was like the least predictable because totally. everything was new. It's the most first act, building. first act was done. Second act, exciting new mm-hmm. water, new creatures, new lore, new rules. Third act, big bad face off. No surprise. I know. I've got I've got two things. One's a little one, like. I'm I'm with you. I, I'm for the long form thing. If if you want to have that character, Kiri, sort of not close that loop until the next movie, fine. But you can't make her the most interesting part of this movie and expect us to care about the other stuff. That's that's point number one. Point totally. number two. I'm I'm not with this whole Jake Sully character because like the whole first movie is about him leaving his mi- militaristic roots behind, right? He's like, okay, I'm becoming one with the Navi. Military bad. New life better. And like mm-hmm. I do, the whole way he's leading his family in this whole movie, and somebody else said this, and I'm I couldn't not see it. Um, but it's like he's running his family as a squad, and like at one point where Natiri's like, "This isn't this isn't your military. This is this is your family." But for whatever reason, like his kids are always like, "Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Fall in. Copy." And like, oh, you're hoping by the end he learns his lesson, but like his whole family's safe. He's finally he's finally gotten them off the boat, and big bad guys like, "I'm always gonna come for you." And the perfect thing to do would have been for him to like, for Jake to be like, no, I don't need to fight you anymore. My fa- my whole thing this movie's been about, the fight or flight thing with my family. My family is safe. I can get them out of here. You're not going to chase us on this burning boat. Goodbye. And instead he goes, let's get it done then. And then like almost everybody almost dies. And it's so mm-hmm. dumb. What an idiot. I He, ugh, so stupid. What a stupid character choice. Dumb guy. Yeah. That, that character made some poor choices. Uh, and last thing I want to say about this movie is that spider character, the little boy with white boy with dreadlocks. Yeah. I was so cringe. I hated every Terrible. second he was on screen. He ca- dude, every, he like the whole first scene where he's like, I don't even, Hey, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's not always good to know who your dad is. And then everybody gets quiet. And then one dude in the back, one of the blue kids is like spider. And he's like, dude, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Pretty cringe. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, anyways, that's basically all I have on on Avatar: The Way of Water. You got anything else? No, I, I I forgive it for being shitty because it was so cool to look at. I think that's my whole takeaway. And I do not. Let's get you a beer, Johnny. What is beer number two? Beer number two is Apotheosis from Ghost Town Brewing out of Oakland, California. It is a West Coast IPA that clocks in at six point nine percent. Nice. The last time we did them was episode 177, Ghost Town showed up for Ossuary. It was a porter. It was very highly rated. You gave it a 7. Oh. I gave it a 7.4. Uh, oh, they also very made, highly. Yeah. Well, it's pretty high. I mean, I mean it's, it's above average. We've had some shitty beers lately. It feels high, That's all right? True. <laughs> uh, also, they made it into our 2021 Beer Madness bracket with their beer, Sacrificial Oat. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So this, again, West Coast IPA with Enigma and Mosaic hops. And I don't know much about Enigma hops. I guess you could say that they're... Don't. 
an enigma. Uh, right. So you pour your beer unless you already have, but apotheosis, I Googled it, is the highest point in the development of something, the culmination or the climax. Um, so that uh, seems like a hell of a name for your beer, but let's see. Uh, it's in your glass, I assume. You're a big fan of West Coast IPAs, 6.9%. You clearly made it obvious you're a fan of as well. So have you tried it yet? Yeah, man, I have. It is very crisp. It pour, it pours a pale yellow. Like you could have told me this was a Pilsner and I would have believed you. Super transparent, nice, thick, white, foamy head. Pretty standard looking beer. Uh, on the nose, you get tons of hops right in the front. Very resiny, little earthy. Uh, definitely some grassiness on the nose. And then that grassiness kind of follows through. It's very earthy, very grassy. It reminds me of sitting on the bank of a river where there's like tall green grass blowing in the wind. Uh, I like the hot profile, definitely more earthy, which I think is a good reason why you wouldn't like it. I mean, it's almost got that Amarillo hot profile to me. Oh, okay. Uh, I feel like the Enigma adds a lot. And then it's got that mosaic kind of green oniony snap to it. But it's it's balanced out nicely with that that other hop. I'm curious what that profile is. I got a young Maxwell. You pull that up. Yeah, uh, the Enigma hop. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Um, I'm trying to find the best source. I'm looking at Yakima Valley hops at the moment, um, and for whatever reason, um, I'm having a hard time pinning it down. But I was going to ask you as this is loading. Um, this strikes you more as a as a hop forward IPA rather than maybe a multi body forward one. Definitely, way more like new school hop forward, not much malt on it at sure. all. Um, very crisp, very smooth drinking. It does not have much bite to it. Uh, the bite kind of comes in the the last three quarters of the drinking experience with it on the back of your tongue. And a little bit, it lingers with the hoppy aftertaste, but that is super indicative of the style. So nothing out of the ordinary there. Um, it's not extraordinary. It's not blowing my mind, but this is a beer that I would grab uh, eight times out of 10, if I just had a bunch of them, I mean, I would drink this over a lot of West coast IPAs though. It's, it's well-made it's, it's crisp. It's refreshing. Uh, it checks all the boxes for a West coast. I think they're doing some of the better hoppy beers probably in it's in the West coast. I mean, they're up there with like slice Beechwood, green cheek for me, as far as doing hops really, really well. All right. Well, here's a little bit about Enigma. Uh, a couple things here. Um, Enigma is a hop uh, bred and released by the Hop Products Australia program of the Barth Haas Group. It's a cross between Tetnanger and an unnamed North American variety, which does us no good, uh, but displays in a wholly unique manner. It's juicy with red fruits like raspberries and red currants, uh, but what sets it apart from other varieties are the white wine notes, similar to mm. a Nelson Salvine, that is most often described as a crisp and refreshing Pinot Gris. Um, this is from the grower, crisp flavors of white grape, tart, red currant, and sweet rock melon, uh, which we can Google also with a complexity where different aspects shine depending on dose rate and addition time. Late additions or dry hopping really maximize the flavor and aroma outcomes. Um, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. Kind of, yeah, leans towards fruity and resininess and kind of steers away from spicy floral notes. Rock melon's just a, a kind of a douchey way to say cantaloupe. Okay, well, let's just, okay. I, yeah, I mean, I guess there's a way to distinguish that from like watermelon, I guess. Maybe also, something. did you know that cantaloupes are also called musk melons? No, no, I did not know that either. That sounds dirty. <laughs> it does not sound great. Uh, it sounds more like a honeydew. You'd call right? it that. Um, okay, <laughs> so you like it. Give me some. Give me some downsides if there are any. I mean, the that bitterness is a little bit pervasive. I think it is a little bit unpleasant on the finish. Uh, it 
I feel like this beer, I mean, it's beer, so it's unfair to say, it's going to make my breath taste bad and smell bad, but sure. like, definitely that's a, a note where I'm like, if I drink a few of these, I'm going to like need some Listerine before I feel presentable. Fair. Um, but that, like I said, that's that goes in hand in hand with the West Coast IPA thing. Um, it does sway a little bit on the sweeter side with the the profile and it's funny now that i know all that it feels like it tastes sweeter sure um i wouldn't have necessarily guessed you know the white grape notes and whatnot but um i don't know it's it's fine it's i'm trying to think of more negatives it's just it's just okay like it does yeah it doesn't sound like it's making a huge impression no um very like I want to take large drinks of it. It seems like something that's not meant to be sipped. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a ton of negatives. It's really refreshing for a West coast IPA. Um, I do like the hot profile. All right. So, so, so yeah. Enigma, something to keep your eyes open for possibly. Uh, yeah. I'd keep an eye out for it cool. again, for sure. It adds nice things, especially with that mosaic. Cause mosaic such a identifiable hop. It's fun to see yeah. people add stuff to it and kind of play with that profile. Agreed. Okay, then Apotheosis, Ghost Town, Johnny Summers, out of 10. Out of 10, this feels like a 7-1 all day. 7-1. All right, fair enough. Super, like, and they really live right in that, like, 7 to 7-5 range. I've never had a beer from Ghost Town that was, I would say, less than a 7. So, I mean, if nothing, they're consistently very above average for me. That's something. I think I should try it. Yeah, uh, I don't have any more because, shout out, this was a gift from friend of the show, Chad Rankin. Oh, all right. Uh, So... Yeah, he hooked me up with it, but uh, I think they only, you have to like go to Oakland to get it, but fuck it, let's go to Oakland. <laughs> I mean, I'm super, yeah, we could make so many stops there. We should do that. Yeah, and we'll take you take you off for some good coffee. Let's do it. Okay, let's get into Hot and Bothered then if you've got nothing else. Uh, no. Hot Okay, welcome to Hot and Bothered, part of the show where we talk about what's got us very jazzed or kind of bummed out for the week. Um, I've just got one thing, and... I, I hope, Johnny, you will take my recommendation here because it's it's a tough one because um, we say this a lot. Try to go in blind. It's a movie recommendation. It's something I just saw. It's on Netflix. It's called Blood Red Sky. It came out in 2021, uh, directed by Peter Thorworth. And if it weren't for the fact I want to tell listeners kind of what the movie's about, I would not tell you a thing, dude. And I would say you just mm. go watch it um, blind. It's a German film. Okay. Um, and here's the letterbox synopsis. A woman with a mysterious illness is forced into action when a group of terrorists attempt to hijack a transatlantic overnight flight. In order to protect her son, she will have to reveal a dark secret and unleash the inner monster she has fought to hide. Um, It's a cross between an intense action movie with elements of horror. Uh, It's real, real good, I think. Uh, It's it's not necessarily a movie that hinges on performances, though I think there are some good ones. Uh, It's more at its best because it's... I mean, kind of subverting some horror tropes at times, but mostly um, really fantastic at executing the uh, the particular brand of action it is trying to convey. There's a lot of really great, oh, um, let's say special effects and, and um, I don't know, character design. Right? That's kind of all I want to say. Okay. Creature design is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's creature design. It's real good. Uh, cool. Just a fantastic that sounds- watch. That sounds like a Johnny movie. It totally like hardcore. Is. Yeah, I would watch I love it. it. I'd put it towards the top of your list. If I were see, you. you're learning. You're you're recommending stuff to me now. I got that you. Is is in a world that I enjoy. Yeah, uh, that's why I'm on the second book from that dude uh, that wrote Empire of the Vampire. Oh, you mean Jay Kristoff? Yeah, Jay Kristoff. I am. I want to say six hours into Nevernight. 
Nice, dude. Yeah, or whatever that first book is called in that series. It's dope. All right. Um, I so. believe I'm overdue for a uh, a recap or a catch-up of where you are with White Lotus. Oh, I'm done, baby. Okay, give me give me your thoughts on that. I am done, and I got to tell you, uh, I did not think... Well, first of all, when we last spoke, I was like two episodes in, kind of teasing it at like something that I think might be really good. Uh, the character development and writing in season one was... Tremendous. You have to be on board for a certain element of stylized drama and situational interpersonal interactions. Okay. Uh, all of these, both seasons, uh, take place on White Lotus resorts. The, the first one is a White Lotus resort in Hawaii. The second is a White Lotus resort in Italy, mm -hmm. Sic Sicily specifically. Um, but the writing on these is tremendous. If you love character-driven drama, like the last episode of season two was the most on edge I've been for a season finale, maybe in the last five years. All it right. is compelling television. It is very good. And the second season, uh, while it also had a couple people coming back, like uh, Jennifer Coolidge was in all of the second season, uh, as well as the first, we had new additions like F. Murray Abraham and Aubrey Plaza in season two. Uh, so some more recognizable faces. Uh, and I think if you are in the mood for that kind of uh, drama at a resort with sometimes some high stakes and some intrigue and some really good acting and great performances and just well thought out episodical television, I can't recommend it enough. I ate up the first two seasons like candy. So... Uh, I think you should check it out. It's all all seasons are streaming on HBO Max. So if you're in the mood for some good television, uh, get on that White Lotus. Okay, as usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. And thanks to everybody on our Patreon. And big shout out to The Handlebar for having a sweet, sweet happy hour seven days a week. Uh, I think that's all we got for you this week. Johnny, you want to tease the movie for next week? Or, or, or rather, should we tease the movie for next week? I think it's official that we all know that we're doing The Whale next week. We're doing The Whale, and I'm also, and I think you are too, going to see Babylon from Damien Chazelle. They're both coming out, and we're getting to this point where there's just so many movies. And I don't, yeah. I don't know how much time we're going to spend. Maybe we'll pick like our favorite one and, and just kind of briefly go over the other flick pick style. But um, either way, those are both movies that are out, so you can see them if you want to keep up with our discussion next week. Do yeah. you know what we are drinking? Uh, do not. Beer is to be determined. So again, if you have something you want us to try that we haven't done or haven't done in a while, hit us up. We're open. We'll drink whatever beers you want us to drink, guys. We just like beer and movies. Come on. Yeah. Again, this episode's dropping a couple days before Christmas. So wherever you are, if you're traveling for the holidays or be that be that driving or flying, or if you're just staying around and we're in your ears, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, whatever the holidays are to you. Have a great one of those. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, another go around the sun. And my name is Max Minardi. That's right. Happy Festivus for the rest of us. My name's Johnny Summers, and we appreciate you listening. Uh, drink some good beers. Uh, do something that makes you happy this weekend, whether it's by yourself with your cats or with your family, whatever you need to do. Just be happy. Uh, and most importantly, be good to each other. We see you next week. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.